It's on now. Take your Bibles with me this morning and let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. We are going to be uh, again in Ephesians 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 10. We'll recap a little bit what we talked about last time a couple of weeks ago, and then we'll uh, start uh, looking at the rest of the passage. Uh, but first, we're going to read, and we'll pray one more time, and then we'll dive into the passage together. So Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this scripture. We pray, Lord, that you would uh, give us eyes to see, ears to hear your word. Help us, Lord, to know you more. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so last time, um, I was here two, three weeks ago now, I guess, uh, we started in Ephesians, the first part, and we talked about in length, um, we kind of focused in on one particular phrase, so this will kind of do a recap just to get where we are. We talked about the course of this world, if y'all remember that, the course of this world. Um, so we kind of did a little survey of the Old Testament, we kind of looked at the different courses of the world and how... Uh, people, the course of the world as described in Ephesians 2 is following the passions, following your passions, uh, your desires, uh, following basically Satan, right, the prince of the power of the air, and leading to disobedience and destruction and God's wrath. We saw that. We, one of the main examples uh, we saw was the flood. All right, we actually talked about that in Sunday school this morning, but... Uh, it was described as everybody before the flood, everybody was following, the, every, the intention of their heart was only evil continually. And it led them to their destruction. God said, I will wipe them all out. Uh, so uh, we also saw with Adam and Eve, way back in the beginning, as it described the sin that Adam and Eve committed at the beginning, they saw with their eyes, right? They um, had desired right, the, the wisdom, and they looked at it and saw it was good, all right, so there's this kind of this desire component going along with it, and it matches perfectly with Ephesians 2, and we talked all about that, but 
um, that's not just them, right? That's us as well. We were once there, as Ephesians 2 says, that was once us. We were following that course of the world. And then comes verse 4, but God. This is what we're celebrating in Christmas. This is what Emmanuel means, right? But God did something about it, all right? God made a plan, all right? He promised and he delivered a solution to our problem of sin. But God made us alive together with Christ. And that's where we ended last time. So today we're going to talk about what does that actually mean? Alive together with Christ. So we're going to focus in on that one particular phrase. What does it mean to be alive together with Christ? And the rest of the, chap- the, rest of the section anyways, verses uh, 6 through 10, kind of describe for us what that means. What does it mean to be alive together with Christ? So, as, um, well, most people I do say, I guess, I got three points for us, right? Three points, we summarized it in three points. Here are our three points today. What does it mean to be alive together with Christ? Number one, we're united with his past. We're united with Christ's past, okay? Number two, we're guaranteed his future. And then number three, we're prepared for the present. Okay, so we're going to look at this, these next verses and we're going to discuss those three things. United with his past, guaranteed his future, and now prepared for the present. So if you remember, uh, last time, the whole goal, the whole idea about this passage, we were trying to think, we were trying, uh, I was trying to anyways, help us find strength and power to face the day. All right, how do, we have, how do we have the strength and the power to face the day? You can look out in the world. We know it's going crazy. We know it's nuts, right? All the stuff that's been going on past year, this year, all these years, whatever. It's just getting bad. It's getting worse, and it's going nuts. But how do we have strength and power to actually get out there? How do we have strength and power to face the day? And this is number one, right, which was last time. Remember that we've been made alive with Christ, right? We're not dead anymore. That's what it said in verse 1. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, but God made you alive, right? And so now we're going to decide, we're going to talk about how do we find, how does this give us strength? Being made alive together with Christ. How does this give us strength for the day? All right, so number one, united with his past. All right, so let's go back to uh, verse 4 and verse 5. Okay. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses again, or trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. All right, pause there for a second. Um, so we're going to have to kind of spend a little bit of time, and we're going to have to go somewhere else to kind of flesh this out. Well, um, fortunately, when Paul says something, and you don't quite understand what he says here, there's like six other, seven other, 12 other uh, epistles that he wrote, that Paul wrote, where he typically explains other things in other detail, more detail. So that's good for us, right? That's good for us. We can look at the rest of Scripture and we can see what he was talking about in certain areas. But think about that together with Christ, okay? Alive together with Christ. We know that we were dead, but we were made alive together with Christ together with Christ. There is this 
there's some sort of joining. There's some sort of union here that we share with Christ. We have been joined, or the word I use is united. I will see that in a minute. We've been united with Christ somehow where we have been made alive together with him. So what are they talking about? What is Paul talking about? Well, let's flip over to uh, Galatians, actually, yes. First, let's do Romans. Nope, Galatians. Sorry, changed my mind. It's just two pages over, in my Bible anyways. So let's do that one first. Galatians 2.20. This one might be a, a verse that y'all have memorized. Okay, so remember, we were dead, but we were made alive together with Christ. Okay, so if we were made alive together with Christ, think about it. What does this mean? Does this mean that Christ was dead too? Because he had to be made alive. No, let's talk about it. Galatians 2.20. Paul says this. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Now, there's a lot more in the context here and there, but I just wanted to pull out verse right there. I have been crucified with Christ. All right, Paul is saying that he, he has been crucified with Christ. The death that Christ experienced now is being applied to Paul. Right? He's been crucified with him. All right, now let's go over uh, to what I say a minute ago. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. This is a cool verse as well. And the whole chapter actually kind of talks about this in more detail. All right, but again, we're going to pull out one particular verse here. Uh, and I, I would highly recommend if you want to dive into this a little bit further, what does this mean to be together with Christ? Read this whole chapter, and it's excellent. Um, verse 5 says this, chapter 6, Romans 6, verse 5. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. And then he keeps going. So also, verse 11, um, excuse me, verse 10, for the death he died to sin once and for all, but the life he now lives, he lives to God. Right? So you must also consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. All right? Back at verse 5. We have been united with Christ in his death and in his resurrection. This is really cool. This is what it means to be together with Christ that what Christ did on this world, and this is what we celebrate at Christmas, right? He came in this world, and he lived a perfect life. He died, and he, was, he came back to life. This is the life that he gives us. He now unites himself, right? He unites us to himself. That the death of Christ, we now take part in that. The resurrection of Christ, we are now united with that. So it says, as Christ died to sin, Guess what we are? 
we're dead to sin. What does that mean? Sin doesn't have any power over us anymore, right? We're dead to sin. That penalty, right, remember the course of the world leading to God's wrath and destruction? Well, guess what? Jesus took God's wrath away from us. That penalty is gone. We don't have that penalty anymore. We're united with Christ. And guess where Christ is now? He's alive, right? We're united with him in his life. We're not dead anymore. We're alive. This is what it means. Alive together with Christ. The work of Christ is applied to us. And we, are lit, we are in reality. Okay, This is a reality. This is a truth. We are united with Christ so that you are no longer dead. You're alive. Now, spiritually speaking, of course, right? But one day, it's not going to be spiritual, it's going to be physical. This is what Brother Bryce is preaching through in uh, Revelation. One day, it's not going to be a spiritual truth, right? Only, it's going to be physical as well. But we are united with Christ. So just as Jesus died and has life, then we do as well. So no longer does sin hold any condemnation. If you flip over, Romans chapter 8. Really quickly, Romans chapter 8, just flip the page over since we're here, right? Romans chapter 8, verse 1, notice what it says. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. All right, and he's talking about condemnation from the law, condemnation from sin, right? God's wrath. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. No condemnation. Isn't that amazing? The course of the world, right? They're going towards wrath. No longer do we have that wrath. We're not headed towards it. We'll get to that in a minute. Okay? So think about it. You have been united together with Christ. Think about the power and the strength for today. Do you draw power from that fact? Do you think about it? That you have been saved? All right? Go back to Ephesians 2. Sorry, a lot of turning. That's okay. A lot of turning. Back to Ephesians 2. All right, we're going to skip ahead a few verses here. Verse 8 and 9. Verse 8 and 9. Look what it says. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Notice the tense, have been. What is that? Past tense, right? Past tense. I had to teach English last year in fourth grade. So I know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Walter. <laughs> I got one laugh out of that. Anyway, past tense, okay? Um, so anyway, yes, I thought that was just as funny when they asked me to teach English, right? When they asked me to do that, I was like, are you sure? <laughs> do you want me to do that? Anyway, thankfully, we had textbooks. Just read the book. It's fine. All right. Anyway, where were we? Okay, two, for by grace you have been saved, that is in the past, by faith. And this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God. Not that anyone, right, not by works, is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Okay, think about that for a second, your salvation, right? The fact that we have been saved, those who are saved. This is not your work. This is not your work. Isn't that comforting too? That's comforting to me. 
I don't know if it is to you. But you know what that means as well? If, if it wasn't me that saved myself to begin with, well, guess what? If I didn't do it to begin with, I can't mess it up. <laughs> right? Think about it. All right, Jesus saved. God did the work to save. All right? Not at our works so that no one can boast. All right? We'll get uh, just a minute. But it's a gift. It's a gift. And what does a gift imply? Right? That it was unearned. It was something he gave. Right? And by grace, what does that imply? It was undeserved. Remember that? For we were dead in our trespasses and sins. But God gave us a gift. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. By grace, he gave us that gift. So think about that as you go through life, right? Tomorrow, as you leave these doors, that the very fact that we're alive, the very fact that we can get in the car and travel safely and be home, have a family to enjoy the holidays with, that is a gift been given to you by grace. The fact that you're no longer dead to sin is a gift given to you by grace, right? We were dead, but God united us to Christ anyway. Anyway. I don't know about you, but that gives me strength and power to face the day. So we were united with Christ, number one, with his past. We were united with his past. All right, go back up to, uh, let's see, verse, where we go, verse six. Now we're guaranteed his future, number two, united with his past, right? Christ's death and resurrection, we're united with it. Those were real events in the past, real events that we are united to. It is something that is a, like I said, a reality for all believers, okay? A reality for all believers. It's not theoretical, it's actually true, it's there. Something that happened, we're united with it. Now we're guaranteed his future. Look what it says in verse 6, Ephesians 2, verse 6 and 7. All right, look what Jesus, where Jesus is and look where we are, all right? Look what it says. For you have been saved. And, uh, well, let me go back to verse 5. That doesn't make sense. Just picking up right there. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, uh, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. All right, verse 6 and 7, look at that. We are guaranteed his future. Where is Christ now? Where is he now? Right hand of God the Father, right? What does it say right here? Verse 6. That we will be raised up and we will be where? With him, right? Raise us up and we'll be seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Woo. That's our future. For all who believe, that is our future. Seated with him in the heavenly places. That's incredible. So, for what purpose though? This is even, this is even crazier. For what purpose? Look at verse 7. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. 
so that he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. That's incredible. So we're not only seated with him in heaven, right? Oh, by the way, how long is heaven going to last? Right? Or how long is Jesus going to last? How long are we going to be seated with him? Right? He's alive forever. So we're going to be there forever. Right? That's incredible. Uh, we'll be in the same place he is. But what's the experience going to be like? We're just going to be sitting there doing this? Well, that was fun. What do we do now? Right? What are we going to experience at all times? His immeasurable kindness and grace to us. Boo. We're going to experience at all times kindness and grace. That's incredible. Immeasurable, endless, infinite experience of grace. Man, I can't even comprehend. God's love is forever poured on us through Christ. That's incredible. God's love is going to be forever poured on us through Christ. And that is our future. That is guaranteed because we know that's where Christ is. All right, let's go really quickly. How do we know this is guaranteed? Let's go to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, really quick. One verse, really quickly, excuse me. Grammar teacher, right? There you go. Really quickly, all right. Got it, that's good. All right, excellent. All right, John 14, verse 3. Well, we'll start in verse 1. Okay, we'll do three verses. Uh, Y'all know the context of this. This is the the last, uh, during the Last Supper, this is some of the last words of uh, Jesus to his disciples before his crucifixion. So this is what he is telling his disciples to encourage them before the trial comes, right? Verse, chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare, to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you myself, that where I am, you may be also. That where I am, you may be also. That is from the lips of Christ himself, that I go to prepare a place, that where I am, you will be also. Right? This is our future. This is incredible. So another fact, right? We're united with Christ in his past. We're dead. Sin no longer has any hold on us. We're alive in Christ. Not only that, we have a guaranteed future of being with him forever. That where he is, we will be also. Experiencing the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us. I mean, what a gift, right? That's the gift. Incredible. So do you draw strength from the fact that knowing that your future in heaven is guaranteed? Right? Guaranteed. If you are with Christ. 
right? That where I am, you will be also. He's going to come and get you. That's what he promised. And take you to him. Um, there was a reason why, uh, wrote, well, there's usually a reason. Um, you don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but uh, Psalm 27 that we read earlier this morning, Psalm 27, this is a, uh, I found this uh, to be quite fitting in terms of talking about strength and, and power for the day and where do we get our hope and where did David get his strength and power. So if you recall, you'll notice that David was talking about how evildoers encircle him, right? Uh, that there's armies that encamp against him, but he will not fear, right? He will not fear. Because what does David know? He says right there at the end, verse 13 of chapter 27, Psalm 27, he says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In the land of the living. He will look upon the goodness of the Lord. So where was his hope? Where was his strength to face the day, to face his day, to be to look out and see an army encamped against you, right? And we know kind of the story of David, to look in his own home and see people that would betray him, right? That would run him from his own kingdom and try to take over. Where did he get the strength for the day, right? He knew that one day he was going to see the goodness of God with his own eyes in the land of the living, right? He knew exactly what Paul was talking about here that he will be made alive in Christ and he will be alive with God forever. He'll get to see the goodness of the Lord. Pretty cool, pretty neat. So, we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, as Psalm 23 says, right? I will dwell in the house, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Another good psalm for that. But anyway, so, so far, Strength for the day, where does it come from? Knowing we're united with Christ. Knowing that our future in heaven is guaranteed. Right? Guaranteed. Okay, well that's past and that's future. What about now? Right? What about now? It's past, that's future. What about now? Well, this is the cool part. Well, all of it's really cool. But this is the, I guess, the present part. See? Christmas, presents, get it? Yeah? Okay. All right, that was a good one, hon. You got to remember that one. All right, two ten. Okay, we're united with Christ in the past, guaranteed His future. Now we're prepared for the present. Verse ten, back in Ephesians two, verse ten. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. All right, for we are his workmanship. For we are his workmanship. Think about it. Think about all that, all that God, all that Christ has done to make us his. All right? God in the beginning, Christ in the beginning, right? They made the whole world. They made the universe. They made man. We rebelled, right? And think about what Christ did to fix our, our sin, Right? That's his, that was his work. We are his workmanship. Came down, right? We talked about that earlier. Put on the dirt suit, right? God coming with us, living life, experiencing sin, experiencing, the, not 
not giving in to sin, obviously, but experiencing the world just like we do, right? Staring temptation in the face but never giving in to it, all that. Dying a terrible death, coming back to life, now is ascended into heaven, right? That was a lot of work. <laughs> that, was, that was 33 years of work that God put in, that Jesus put in to make us his, Right? Think about all that work that Jesus did just to redeem us, right? To redeem us. He did a lot of work. That's what it means, workmanship, right? We are his workmanship. We are his craft, right? We are his craft. He did a lot of work to make us, to redeem us, to make us the way we are. And when it says created in Christ Jesus, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, um, the word in can also be um, translated by, or so created by Christ Jesus, created in Christ Jesus, created through is another word it could be translated as. But anyway, all that to say, right, our new creation, where does it come from? It comes from Him, the power. He is our workmanship. And that's what we talk about, saved by grace through faith. It's the gift of God, not your works. It's His work that created you. It's His work that made you alive, right? So, he did a lot of work to bring you back from the dead. Um, another reason why we couldn't do it, right? It had to be by grace. Can you make yourself alive if you're dead? Nope. That's the, anyway, we can't do it. Had to be by grace. For we, or but why did he do it? We're his workmanship. Why did he do it? We're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for what? What purpose? For good works. For good works. Think about it. What got us in the problem? What got us in trouble in the first place? Was it good works? No, it was bad works. Right? Go all the way back to the garden again. Every, this all kind of comes back. God created Adam and Eve for what reason? For what purpose? To work. You know that? He said there's no man to work the ground, so he made man to work. He made him in his image, right? So that we could have, we had a special job, we had special work, we were different, we were supposed to rule and to reign as Christ rules and reigns, right? But we messed it up. We messed it up. But we still have that job, we still have that task of working. But what's our work? After sin, the only work we can do is basically sin, now, Jesus has come. He's made you alive. So now our work can be what? Not sin anymore. It can be obedience. Our work can be good again. Adam and Eve started off working really well. They did good work that was pleasing and acceptable to God. Then they sinned. Right? They sinned. But now, Christ made us alive. We can work again. We can do good work. How do we know this? Right? Look what it says. For good works which God prepared beforehand. Oh, this is neat. But God prepared beforehand. God prepared this time, this place, for you to work. For all of us to work. For good works. Right? So sometimes I, I had this, this was a, a misconception I had as a youth, young adult, whatever, growing up all the time. 
I still kind of wrestle with it. Sometimes uh, I get the picture of working for Christ has to be like missionary work or it has to be standing up here in front of people or it has to be, it has to be something grand, something large, something out of the ordinary, so to speak, all right? It has to be out of the ordinary. In order to be work for God, it can't just be normal everyday stuff. That's not what this is saying here. It's saying that God has already prepared for you something. He's prepared good works for you. What does it say next? That we should walk in them. Think about it. The course, right? God gave us a new course to walk, right? Think about it at the beginning. The course of the world is following Satan. Jesus made us alive, and now he's given us a new course, a new leader, new actions. No longer sin, obedience. No longer following Satan, now we're following Jesus, right? No longer the course of the world, the course of heaven, the course of grace, the course of God, right? We're on a new course, but that course is where you are now. Whether you're a parent, right, at your job, current job, even if it's not, you know, it doesn't have to be a, a pastor or a, you know, job at a church or anything like that, your current job is where you can work where you can do good works, right? Parenting, that's your job. Being a husband, being a wife, being a, being a child, being a youth, your job, that's where you are right now. That is what God has prepared beforehand that you should walk right here, right now, in this place. It's not, it doesn't have to be crazy, it doesn't have to be out of the ordinary, but ordinary life is your work. Are you going to walk the course of the world or are you going to walk the course of grace? Are you going to try to live, right, in good works? By the way, how did, why did, how did Christ come? How did Christ save us, right? Through mercy, through love, through grace. What should our work look like most likely? Merciful, graceful, loving, right? We match what God has done for us. If God did it for us, we try to do it for others, right? As I have loved, you love one another also. Right? Jesus said that. So our work that we get to do now can be, is the work that God has prepared beforehand. That you should walk in it now. So whatever you're doing, that is your work. That is the work that Christ has prepared beforehand. It can be good. Right? It is a blessing. It is our new course. So we can draw strength from that. Our past, we've been saved, made alive. We have a guaranteed future. But God has prepared us for this present right now. The fact that he made you alive for this moment. That he guaranteed your future for this moment. For the next moment. For the next day. For the next week. Right? As we go out into this world. We have strength and power for today. Because Christ made us alive, because he has prepared us for today, and he has guaranteed our future. We have strength and have power. We were saved by grace, not by our own works, but it's his for good works, right? Not by works, for good works. Big difference. Big difference. So all this to say, well, not all this to say, but did you notice that Paul is talking to people who are already saved, right? 
He's assuming that you've even been made alive in Christ, right? So if we're here, if we have, we know for certain that Christ is in us, that we've been made alive, we have those promises. We have that past we can look to. We have the future we get to, go, we get to hope in, right? We have the assurance of the past, the hope of the future, and we can confidently know that we are prepared for today because that's what Christ has prepared us for. But if you're outside, right, if you've never accepted Christ, what does that mean? You're currently on the course of the world. You're currently on the course of this world, leading to wrath and destruction. But Christ can make you alive. He can set you on that new course. We just have to be humble. We have to repent. We have to realize that, yes, we are dead. But God can make you alive. He can give you his past. He can guarantee your future. And he can give you strength for today. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your work. Lord, you love us. Sometimes we don't understand why. But it's purely by your mercy and grace that we are here. We thank you, Lord. We look forward to this Christmas season where we get to celebrate. We get to celebrate your coming into this world. We thank you for that yearly reminder. For we need to be reminded often of your humility, your sacrifice, your love, your grace. Lord, thank you for Christ and his work that we get to be partakers of. Lord, thank you for his life that we get to enjoy. Now we pray that you would give us strength and the power to face today. Forgive us when we fail. Give us strength to obey. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all have a wonderful rest of the day. We'll see you Wednesday. Cover dish on Wednesday. God bless. Thank y'all.